Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 112 of the Dance Speak podcast with Lindsay Duco. Lindsay has an ongoing career that spans so many different mediums. She's worked with so many artists. Some of them include Chris Brown, Pharrell, P. Diddy, Sierra Sade, Justin Bieber, just to name a few. So she sat down with me in 2019 at the end of the year, and it felt like a throwback episode, like the episodes that we used to have at the start where we really get into the whole journey of the guest and and their experiences, but their inner workings, and it, it really feels like I felt like sitting with her like I was transported through the different times and places that she spoke of and can confidently say that this episode could be relatable to people inside and outside of the dance world. So I chose for it to be a two-parter and in this first part we get into Lindsay's super interesting background. She was born in Paris, France and moved to California and then moved between Northern and Southern California and the, the memories that she has and the way that she compares the two, just fascinating. I'm obviously geeking out. So we get into that and her upbringing, her intensive ice skating training and how she got into dance. And what was really interesting for me also is she was a very, very motivated, she still is, very motivated kid and teen. I mean, that's really exceptional and, and getting into her mindset and then also her choice at a certain point to have more freedom in her schedule and get into her mindset there. The conversation around getting something wrong to get it right, I'll leave it at that. A conversation about how imp- how nerves impact our dancing. And I think it's one of those things that if you find that being nervous has impacted your performance in an area of life, just us talking it out has made a difference for me. And making peace with people not liking you, which parlays into a conversation around social media and Instagram bully and the differences we've observed from this time of social media bullying and how it was for us growing up when we didn't have all of the same channels and avenues to pick on a person. And I would like to say, I would like to mention before we start the episode that I definitely, I speak and open up about my own experience in 2019 with it. And I also... I'd be remiss, remiss not to say that, you know, I could have handled it in different ways. I was very sensitive and that's not wrong, but I'm also seeing that as I had a lot of time to reflect and chill out, you know, over the new year time that I also didn't have to be so reactive myself and could have taken it more lightly. So not detracting from it, but I'd love to hear what you think. So definitely follow us on Instagram at Dance Speak Podcast. If you DM, I will be sure to see it. Or if you'd like to send an email, dancespeakpodcast at gmail.com. And be sure to check out episode two. If it's not up, uh, part two, if it's not up yet, it will be up very, very soon. Enjoy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, ha. Rate and review and share with a friend, dance studio, colleague, uh, someone who floats your boat. We really appreciate it. It makes all the world of difference. Peace. Hey guys, my name is Galit Friedlander. I've worn many hats in the dance world over the last 15 plus years and have created Dance Speak as a platform for people in the dance industry to share their stories and blueprints for success. So listen up and get ready to be inspired, learn something new, and get personal with the people behind the movements you love. Okay, so, so, oh, okay, where do I start? How do you pronounce your last name? Is it Dugos or is it completely different? Oh, man. Okay, well, this is a fun question to start. <laughs> so my last name is actually French. Mm-hmm. And in French, it's Duco. So it's almost Ducou. like a, a J and a D attached together, even though it's just D-U-C-O-S, and the S is silent. Juco, right? Juco. Have, but because 
so many people have a hard time saying the like oh like that because that's very European and then I moved to the States when I was a kid really young I would play sports and people would be like Ducos like it just turned into Ducos and then I looked up and nobody called me Lindsay everybody called me Ducos it even is weird sometimes when people call me Lindsay because I'm just so used to people who I just responding to especially because there are the people named Lindsay so it's like Ducos so when I say my name and I introduce myself, I'm like, hi, my name's Lindsay Duco. I say it like that. And then people are like, is Duco? And I'm like, just say Ducos. Because it feels more comfortable for me to respond to that because that feels like almost nurturing, almost like we're friends. Because, you know, a coach calling you something is like, you know, come on, Ducos, you can do it. Yeah. So, yeah, it's kind of weird, but technically it's Duco. In, in English, to say it like French would be Duco, but everybody calls me Ducos. That's such so. a, th- there's such a story there because I think it's like, my my names aren't like American, like Galit, my yeah. last name's Friedlander, and then there's a whole conversation always around like, how do I pronounce it? And yeah. yeah. And then there's the, do you kind of go towards like what's easiest here or what it is over there. It's kind of weird too because I like recently I had to introduce myself in a circle and I went to say Duco but when I went to say it out loud I was like oh shit I should say Ducos because it's going to confuse people because they already call me that so if I say Duco so all these thoughts are happening just in me being like hi my name is Lindsay Duco and then I can see people's faces. I'm like, or Ducos. <laughs> I just say it like that. And that way, it's which is really sad that I'm trying to like appease people. But it's not intentional. It's just more like I know it stresses people out. It's trying to have to figure out how to say a name. So I'm like, girls, no, don't worry about it. Just call me Ducos. I think it's yeah. such a cool way to like to connect with people to mm-hmm. say, just you know, this is a, a thought. Um, this is actually how you say it. Mm-hmm. And then people like you're learning. Oh, you were born in. Friends and and then and yeah. then this is what my friends have called me growing up and then it gives them an option and then they know something about you and there's so many people that I think that's so relatable if mm. you don't have an American name or it's yours is gonna be yeah. mine is more phonetic I think right no, but still it's always like I it hurts when I'm like signing into yoga and I'm like Galit Friedlander and they wince and I'm like Galit Friedlander. <laughs> Ooh, ooh, yeah. It's you a know, tough day. I, I haven't had it quite that bad, but because my name, my first name is spelled A-Y, I remember for a while people would be like, Lindsay. Fuck, I've been spelling your name wrong. Oh, it's okay. I'm so sorry. But that's because a lot of people spell it E-Y because it's the Lindsay, so people just assume, oh, S-E-Y, which doesn't bother me, but it's just funny because when, as a kid, you know, kids are like, little shits. They're, They're awful. like. Your name's not Lindsay, it's Lindsay. Lindsay, duckus, mucus, tucus. You know, like, oh, okay. So, yeah, it's a it's a whole thing, even when you have a simple name. It's so relatable. I went to my friend's, I remember her country home in New Jersey, and she, it was a town that was, I think it was kind of like closed off, maybe culturally a little bit, mm-hmm. and they had field day with my name. I remember those moments. It's burned into my head. They were like, Galit. And then they started calling me like it was the time of El Nino. Oh my God, the rain, the terrible yeah, and rain they were season. like oh. and they started calling me El Nino, and then they started calling me Tsunami. <laughs> Kids are just weird. And Kids I already so like had a thing about it, and then the Lindsay I actually thought when I hit you up, I was like, Hey Lindsay, I questioned for a second, is it an A Y? 
Because I know like Lindsay's like that. Brittany has different spellings. Mm-hmm. Sarah. There's a lot. Anyways, so. It's all good. It's all good. Even some of my closest friends still spell my name E-Y. <laughs> and I never correct them because I'm like, you know, I'm just going to stall you out. Let you live your best little life over oh. there. I know we're going on forever about this, but I like but it. Yeah. I've been listening to. Have, do you listen to Joe Rogan? Yeah, sometimes. Yeah. It's like they just let themselves go on. Yeah. But that's, that's okay. True. Unless yeah, you're like, yeah. I just wanna. No, no, no. I'm chilling. I've never done a podcast. Oh, before. really? Mm-mm. So I didn't. I don't know what to expect, and I feel like most of the things people want me to talk about right now are hyper like political or serious. So it's nice to just kind of shoot the shit. Oh, awesome. I found that the things that interested me the most four years ago now have, you know, they've grown into different things. I'm more interested in the superhuman aspects mm-hmm. versus, and I get to it, but like every tour question and every artist question, I think that's a big deal, but who's the person behind it? Yeah, I think that's awesome. Like who we work for. It's a lot of pressure, too, to like make people feel like they're, I don't know, I don't know if this is, if I'm saying the right thing, but... When you when people ask those questions, that you're supposed to deliver like some type of experience, yeah, that, you know, and a lot of times there are certain things you can't even really fully answer, so you're not even really getting the full truth. Not because something's wrong, but just because right. there are things that like you just don't necessarily talk about, or you know. So, yeah, I think getting to know like the person inside the artist is definitely a way to help people feel a little more connected so it doesn't feel like there's this huge discrepancy between, you know, like, oh, this is where I want to be and this is who this person is and then there's me. I'm like, no, no, no. We're actually really close and similar, you know, in experience and human, yeah. you know. So I, I think that's awesome. What are your favorite things to talk about? Or what do you get asked way too much? Is there anything that you're like, oh. <laughs> what do I get asked way too much? What I'm mixed with, <laughs> that's like gonna follow me till I die, which is not a bad thing. Like I got the I got the script on Smash, like yeah. the, the bullet points, you know. I always go between like, do you want to share? And just if people ask, you can just be like, here's this voice like audio segment, you yeah, can listen in, or right. you don't have to. No, 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 yeah. no. I'm cool with that. What else do people ask me a lot? Um, how obvious things like how long have you been dancing but like none, none of it bothers me yeah. i don't feel i don't feel any kind of any type of way so don't feel okay like cool. there's anything off limits yeah so you grew up in wait you didn't grow up in so you lived in france until you were and i read paris yeah so i was born in paris and uh, with my mom and my dad and at the time they were married and um we wound up moving to the states when they had a career they're basically their career took them overseas oh wow yeah they're musicians and my mom was a singer amongst the many things that she's done she's like one of those crazy entrepreneurial people but um at that time they were in a band together and they had gotten signed and so they moved back to the states when i was young and um we moved to la first and they got a divorce it's not sad it's just you know what it was what it was um, got a divorce and I was, you know, going back and forth between mom and dad's house until my mom met my stepdad and we moved to the Bay, um, for middle school and high school. So LA was like my first 
stop in like the states like my first introduction to the u.s and um kind of like what i consider home home just because like my first memories kind of you know like what i can really really remember um and then i went to the bay and that's like my adolescent years and i pretty much turned right back around back to LA <laughs> when i turned 17 not because i didn't love the bay the bay i'm appreciative of the balance of both mm-hmm. i feel like um cali in general is you know, even though I still go back to France and visit my sisters and my cousins and my family, um, there's something about Cali that's just, like, very much so part of who I am, Mm -hmm. in a sense, and that's an obvious thing that a lot of people say, but I mean that in a sense that it's, to me, the way that probably people from New York feel like, oh, there's no place like New York, I'm like, well, bitch, there's no place like Cali. And I'm like, both. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, and and it will transform you, you know, like, it, it settles you. Um, it's also super liberal. Sorry for people who aren't liberal, but to me, like, I appreciate that it accepts a lot of walks of life and you can kind of just live and be in whatever part of the state you want to live and be, you know, and find kind of your place. There's this strange rivalry or like culture clash between NorCal and SoCal. (laughs) And it's really weird because I feel literally equally both. So I find the beauty and the trash <laughs> of both because there are things about the bay i cannot stand and things about the bay that i love and then things about la i cannot stand things about la that i love granted i think that if you're from la your perspective on the city is very different than someone who comes for entertainment because most people who move here come for some type of like come for some and part of the entertainment field whether they're like writers producers singers you could even be an, an actual visual artist you could be a dancer you could be an actor whatever but i feel like you know they come and are a part of a specific community and a lot of those communities live in specific parts of la so you're around specific types of people who aren't necessarily natives you know versus exploring other parts of sydney and you have like exceptions to the rule you have some people who open up and move other places but for the most part like you know, you don't really stick to just, like, the valley when you're from right. here. Or you don't stick to just Silver Lake because you're a hipster and you feel like that's what's popping right now. Or Echo Park, you know. Kind of it can expand to other parts. And so I'm really grateful that when I moved, especially because my parents were divorced. Mm-hmm. I had one parent living in one place and another parent living in another. And my both my parents moved a lot. Which, you know, some therapists might say that that's not healthy for a child but ironically I actually appreciated feeling like I guess it I mix I like change Mm -hmm. and so I appreciated getting to know the city as a foreigner and then feeling like oh this is home and there's no part that I don't really know you know and French is your first language French is my first language but it's like English is like a real close second because yeah. I had my dad who's actually French. Like, do you mind France. if I ask? Because it'll be lingering for listeners. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so, <laughs> so my mom, born and raised in LA, mm-hmm. she's black, from View Park, Ladera Heights, which is like mm-hmm. um, off Slauson, and um, she took a trip uh, to France for a semester abroad and Ooh. never came back. <laughs> so. Yeah, she never came back. She met my dad, and my dad, who's actually from the south of France originally, he's Mm -hmm. from Montmarsan, which is like a really small little town near Toulouse. 
I'm not really sure actually where they met specifically, but I'm assuming Paris. We need to find out. Yeah, <laughs> but I'm pretty sure Paris. I'm There's pretty like sure. a little map. Right, we're gonna find a map and like look it up. <laughs> but I'm almost positive Paris because that's where my mom was. So mm-hmm. they met, dated, had their work thing going on, formed their whole shabam, and then um, moved to the states. And then when they left, my dad actually wound up staying in the states. Oh wow. Yeah. So. Um, and then, you know, moving like different parts like Inglewood, mom working in Watts, living in Silver Lake. Then at one point we lived off Serrano in Mid City. Then dad lived in like Tarzana and Reseda at one point, moved back to Inglewood, moved back to Watts, moved back to South Central, moved back to, you know, like everybody was kind of moving around. And that was also during like the, the riots, riots too. Yeah. So <laughs> my mom tells me this story about how we had this like really cute place on a dead end. It was on the street called Serrano, like kind of in the middle of the of the city, and um, <laughs> and like the city was on fire, and somebody had stolen my car seat out the car outside, and she was like, "Oh yeah, no, we gotta go. The city's on fire." And so then we wound up. I think that's when we moved. I think it was after that that we moved from there to Silver Lake, and this is before Silver Lake was Silver Lake. Mm-hmm. This is back when Silver Lake was like great but just silver like it was just another little hidden gem you know mm-hmm. and we lived by the roger rabbit bridge and it was awesome so did you feel like growing up here between here and the bay like you had a sense of not fitting in or didn't have a thing about it let's see not so, to be like a therapist but to no no no, no this is good well um i wouldn't say necessarily not fitting in i think I was really angry when I moved to the Bay because I didn't really have a say or a choice, which now in hindsight, I don't regret. Like if I were a parent, I would make the same move. Like a kid doesn't dictate what happens. You're like, you're my child. This is where we're going. This is what we're doing. So it's not that. It's just as a kid, you're feeling a lot of emotions about leaving your comfort zone, your friends, everything that you know. You have like a whole system, Mm -hmm. you know. And then when we moved, ironically, you brought up El Nino before. It was the year of El Nino. Oh. El Nino in L.A. and El Nino in the Bay are two totally different things. El Nino in L.A., it rains, but it, it, the Bay, it was like a monsoon. So wow. imagine oh sunny California where it rains like five times a year. You're always tan. You're always outside. You're always running around in shorts. Your hair is sweat out. You look nuts, but you're like living your best life. And then you move to the Bay... And then I also, you know, was like, my mom was working, so was my stepdad in the city. So I, I had um, this awesome chick named Maria who was like, uh, kind of like, not a taxi service for kids, but she had like a little service. She would come like bring me to the crib afterwards, but I would stand outside waiting for it. It would be pouring, I'd be soaking wet. Then once I started taking the bus, I feel like I was always wet taking oh, the bus. Yeah. And then like, we lived on this hill, so I'd have to trek up this damn hill. I mean, it was just like, I was just mad about the weather alone before we even got to the social part, you know? Cause, and it's crazy how weather can play, like, a huge role. I was, like, 11 at the time and 12, but I was over it. And then it was just cold in general. The bay is very cold. Like, warm for the bay is, like, 75, 80 on, like, a hot time. Unless you're, like, further inland. But, mm-hmm. like, in Oakland, Berkeley area, over by the water, it's just brick. It's just cold as hell. 
So, you know, you're just never comfortable, you know? Like, I just felt like my shoulders were always in my neck. Like, I was just always walking around, like, you know? Wait, I realized, so my whole growing up, I have a million memories of being uncomfortable around weather. The worst was New York winters. Mm -hmm. You're just freezing, and then I'm, like, hibernating. And then when I was a teenager, I'd hibernate, and I was, like, gaining all this weight. Not saying that's bad, not weight shaming, but I didn't feel comfortable with my own Mm -hmm. skin. It was this whole thing. And then this summer, you're sweating. And then when you're a teenager, you, like, start noticing that you sweat. You All this stuff. And, um, but one thing I realized with the winters is that I never properly... Like, when I started, you know, after being a, a young kid, I was, like, too cool to wear long jobs. I was too cool mm-hmm. to wear a sweater or gloves. Yeah, like, prep, yeah. Yeah, I didn't actually prepare for the cold properly. I, I didn't realize, like, just now, like, a million decades later, I'm like, oh, I could double up. Right. <laughs> the things that you think about when you're, like, in your 30s and you're like, yeah. ooh, is that a waffle tea? <laughs> I'm going to put that on my... It's going to be comfortable. It's going to be really comfortable. Yeah, no, I I feel you on that. I, I think, like, we're super spoiled in Cali in general because I could talk about how cold the bay is and then somebody in, like, you know, <laughs> Michigan is like, why don't you come hit this side of town and tell me what you think is cold? So I'm not being insensitive to that. I just think, like, to go from, oh, every day it's 80 to every day it's, like, 45, you're just like, this is not it. And then on top of that... The culture is just different. Yeah. People think it's the same because it's Cali. It's so yeah. different. Um, and so having to relearn social cues. You know, kids are a lot smarter than we think they are. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just that we don't necessarily know how to articulate what we're feeling. But we're just as perceptive as adults. So, you know, being thrown into a world where you can tell the things that might have been cool in one city are not here. Or the things that aren't cool in another place are cool here. And trying to figure out, okay, what do I want to do just so I can blend versus what do I actually do because I actually like doing this, you know, finding mm-hmm. that balance and um, and and how to be, like, grounded in that place. I definitely fought a lot. I <laughs> got a lot of you fights. got a lot of fights. I got a lot of yeah. fights. Um, but it, I'm, not, I'm not bitter or upset. I feel like it kind of just made me stronger growing up is i think it's tough yeah there's all like the relative ways it can be tough i think it's just tough period you have like bullying maybe you have you're defending yourself constantly even if someone is a bully they're defending themselves through bullying not saying it's okay like all this stuff i read that you um had taken up ice skating oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) okay so (laughs) yeah i don't know why i just laugh like that so it's only funny that I say this because when I say I'm not religious, just for the record of everyone out there, uh, it's more that I don't attend church regularly. Mm-hmm. I believe in God and I am spiritual. I also believe in the power of crystals and energy and the universe. So, Keep talking. Um, yeah, so, which uh, for people who aren't into that makes me sound like I'm a crazy person. This is what I just tell um, people if you've lived in Los Angeles for long enough, you got crystals somewhere in your apartment. <laughs> Somebody gave you something. I just took out my crystals. Boom. There it is. Um, yeah, so, you know, I feel all the things, right? <laughs> On top of sort of feeling semi-clairvoyant at moments. So, mm-hmm. so I love that, that topic. Have yeah, so my mom t- tells me, I don't remember this at all, but my mom took me figure skating actually when I was in L.A. This was before I even met my stepdad or moved to the Bay. Which it might not be that common, is it? I think it was one of those things, like, we went skating, 
um, for fun, like on some like, oh, let's go ice skating. Mm -hmm. Like we went ice skating and then I was like, can we go again? And then we went again. And I think I went out to the middle. My mom said I just like skated straight to the middle, which is like danger zone because that's where all the people are doing the fancy tricks and stuff. And I was trying to spin in these like trash ass (laughs) rental skates and my little wobbly bambi legs you know and she said that when i came back i told her i was like mommy i feel god when i spin which i don't really believe because it just sounds so not like me but apparently this is what i said and my mom at the time being a single parent g she was like oh okay I need to put her in ice skating. So every Saturday morning, I had they had lessons. Like, you know, you pick your age group. It's like soccer or any other thing. You just show up. They give you the, like, starter skates, the starter bag. You got your little starter skirt, your little frou-frou, whatever, and you go, <laughs> you know, you skate. And then um, when I got to the bay, my stepdad was, like, generous enough to help me make it more regular. And then I looked up, and I was ice skating every day. Um, five in the morning to seven thirty in the morning, going to school at eight from eight to three, and then from three thirty going straight to the rink, and like from four to eight skating, five days a week, sometimes six if I decided to train on Saturdays. And then I was like, oh, I'm a competitive figure skater, and so I was doing team like synchronized skating, and I was doing singles, and you have to take tests. So I was like testing and testing in uh, both moves and freestyle to get higher and higher, and then I got pretty high and I was competing um, pretty rigorously and decided that that's what I wanted to be. I wanted to be like Michelle Kwan and Sasha Cohen and Christy Yamaguchi and was training with similar coaches and stuff and so, um, yeah, it wasn't until I got injured that um, the lie I told for a long time was like, oh, I got hurt and I felt super discouraged because I had lost jumps because I had some I was like into my triples Mm. and the thing is even when you grow you could be going every day but if you grow an inch your jumps are thrown off like your body's just used to rotating in the air a certain way Mm -hmm. and so imagine now you've stopped because you got injured I'd hurt my ankle and I came back and I had lost like half my triples which meant I was like moving backwards and would have to retrain for all that but simultaneously when that happened, I had gone into high school. So you were about... Uh, I was like 13, 14. Mm-hmm. And... Um, Total side note, mm-hmm. does it make you... Does it throw you off at some points I just film? Or no, do you, you feel can, like no, naturally... Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, going into high school, um, you know... There's all the things, like boys and boys. friends. Unless and you go to performing arts high school, like I did. Right, right, right. <laughs> I so, mean, sorry, that's... <laughs> no, no, I feel you, I feel you, I feel the you. The ratio, it was a tough ratio, that's all I'm saying, okay? I Yeah, I went to from going to, like, a middle school that had, like, 60 people in it to a high school that was a lot more than that. Lots of pretty things to look at. <laughs> and so, and at the same time, I'd been hurt, so I didn't have to wake up super early anymore. anymore. After school, I was just chilling. So I got a taste of freedom. Mm-hmm. And I think that for whatever reason, I was like, I don't really have the guts to say that I'm happier not doing this every day in the morning. But the irony was that I wasn't unhappy skating. I actually was. That was probably where I needed a parent to like get in my ass and be like, if this is really what you want, fuck freedom. Like It'll be worth it later. And not as a pushy parent, stage mom kind of thing. Yeah. Because like, you have to be able to read your kid. I think my mom's just 
a G in that if I ever was like, no, she was like, okay. She just went with the flow, and I wound up, I guess it was meant to be, because then I had to pick an elective at school, and it was between art or dance um, for me, because I didn't want to do theater, and I didn't want to do tech. So, yeah, I didn't want to be a part of tech, so... I, or music, so I decided to go with dance, and I was pretty bad, actually. I just knew how to turn and jump because what I could What was bad? Like, what do you remember challenging you the most? I was just bad, like, you know, people who take dance in high school most of the time have been taking class yeah. since they were kids, Yeah. with the exception of, like, the around the way girls, a couple of us were just like, hey girl, I just need to learn a little quick step, you know? And you, you show up and try to like train and you realize how much harder it is. But we had a really interesting dance program. Our dance program was like, first of all, I went to a Catholic high school, so, and our dance program was very like, we were aiming to be like Ailey. We weren't, but mm-hmm. we, we had an instructor who like came from that wow. training and, you know, like Revelations was like one of her favorite pieces. Oh, wow. So, we did a lot of things that mirrored that. And then she also was a huge Michael Jackson fan. So every yes. time we had Halloween, we picked right. a Michael Jackson video. We would learn it off the actual screen. We learned Coming to America off the screen. Wow. We learned everything off of a TV. And then we would replicate it. And we would put together our own outfits. So it was kind of, it was very like this um, kind of like left approach to dance because it was like all the things that inspired her and inspired us as opposed to like okay ballet one two ballet three four ballet five say oh this is this week we're doing jazz okay this week we're doing this we definitely trained in different things but it was much more about a feeling and then i have to backtrack actually Mm -hmm. how the fuck did you wake up at um five in the morning yeah because i remember when i was a kid i mean maybe it's just like you have it or you don't at that point but when i was a kid and then a teenager like it just wouldn't, yeah. it was not going to happen. This was from like 10 to 14. It, and it, you know what's crazy? Was. I don't, I'm not like a toot your own horn kind of girl. That's but, something I'm working on in general is being like kind to myself yeah. and not self-deprecating. But <laughs> the one thing that I have that I can honestly say is my best attribute is that I'm determined. Mm. So... Um, determination is one of those things where even if I know I don't have it, even if I, when I show up, I feel like I'm the worst in the room. Mm -hmm. I just, for whatever reason, always showed up. And if I wanted it, that's how I can tell when I don't want something. Cause if my like gut, if my, my stomach is literally telling me don't go, I know for a fact it's not cause I'm lazy. It's cause something in my body is having a visceral reaction to not wanting to be somewhere. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. for whatever reason, that wasn't the hard part. The hard part was getting my mom to wake up. I would go upstairs, mom, we gotta leave in 15 <laughs> minutes, go to the kitchen, make a lunch or whatever, come back. She's still in the bed. I'm like, Ma, I told you, come on, you gotta, if you're late, because I knew it took her probably about four to five minutes to actually get out the door, meaning she would stand up, kind of like walk to the bathroom. <laughs> she'd get to the bathroom, she'd obviously like, you know, do bathroom things. She kind of look, rub her eyes a little bit, maybe grab a sip of water, throw on a coat over her like negligee with some boots, and then just like go down to the car and drive me, drop me off. Or sometimes my session would be like, um, 
around the time my stepdad was heading to San Francisco to be, to he was an administrator. So sometimes he would drive me off on the way to um, work. So it was cool. It was like one or the other, but it was usually my mom. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause sometimes he would leave before me cause he would go to the gym before he went to work. So, and both of us are Pisces. So I was like, maybe this is a Pisces thing. Like, cause he was up, he would go to this place called Club One in downtown Oakland. He'd go work out and then go to San Francisco to work all day. So he was like, Mr. Workout motivated. And then here I was, I'm going to the skating rink and then I'm going to school and then I'm coming back and doing the same thing. So, you know, but it wasn't hard. It was hard because I was sleepy and because I would watch like Dawson's Creek and Buffy the Vampire Slayer oh and God, all those things until like 11 o'clock at night. And try to do homework and stuff. Damn. And I was on the phone all the time. That's great. So right. I have a theory, not mm-hmm. uh, detracting from determination or like gumption, all that stuff inside, mm-hmm. but that a lot of dancers that do well are naturally high energy people. Like, they just have a lot of energy also they need to get rid of. They're, like, tired is just not a thing for them. You know, okay, fatigue's not necessarily a thing for me to the point where my body actually physically shuts down sometimes health-wise. Or where you're like, oh, I'm just too tired. Like, yeah, that fatigue is never really an issue. I think I don't really, yeah, I don't really know how to sit down. But I don't have an abundance of energy like some people who are, like, self-diagnosed like Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've heard that a lot of dancers like well I just have ADD and in my mind I'm looking at them like do you have ADD or are you just highly creative and energetic Mm -hmm. sometimes people do actually have ADD and so it's not taking away from that but I think we throw that term out a lot self-diagnose a lot yeah people people throw that term out a lot to sort of like give themselves a direct link as to why they have a lot of energy whereas me personally I'm actually it's kind of weird. Sometimes I'll show up to a class, and I'm gonna do it no matter what. That's just who I am. But sometimes I'm like, they're just doing a lot. Like, like I don't know if you've had that feeling where you show up and you're like, this is just od. There's nothing in my body that's looking at this like I want to do that because it doesn't feel good. But even though, like, I have the energy, I also think like, especially like West Coast people in general, mm. we're very like laid back. So when I see somebody just going off, I it, sometimes it's intriguing and sometimes it pulls me in and sometimes I'm like, that's just a lot. I have a tendency. I think it's in my nature. Okay, so I think of myself as, oh, like, the thing that I come up against is, oh, I'm tired. But everyone I know says I'm not like that. Mm-hmm. In, like, I'm very high energy. That's true. I have that too, yeah. So, But my theory is that I burn myself out. That, like, maybe where maybe people stop themselves... But like with freestyling, I always felt like I have to like go to the floor and then do this and then the ha and you know go go go. And something that I'm coming to now is like, but what about that groove and not doing too much? Cause you mm. you know, so I'm kind of shifting my relationship to what I like within dancing. I think the doing too much also comes from nervous energy from like mm. auditioning when you feel like you only have a certain amount of time to be able to show somebody everything you got to convince them that you're the one, you're a star, you got everything, right? So you're not dancing from an authentic place anymore. You're dancing from a lens, their lens, like how you feel they might want to perceive you so that you can get the job. Which then when you're training, you're training in it from a not as a, a, from not as authentic of a place because it's coming from like a voyeuristic approach rather than Ooh. like how you really want to feel and dance inside 
you know, according to like who you are and what speaks to you without worrying about whether or not it's going to appease whomever is actually casting you. It's almost like what I appreciate about a lot of freestylers is that whatever they do, whatever they train in, whatever whatever draws them to, you know, whatever it is that, that's their specialty, unless they're, you know, like all styles or something, but like for especially for like a specialty person, they're they're not necessarily concerned with what you think. They're concerned with like the people that have given them information and how to like learn something properly and how to do it justice for the people that they respect. And then also like, you know, their their own spin on things. But then when they go to audition, like yes, of course if someone's like, Well we wanna see like, you know, if you have anything extra dynamic, of course like throw that out. So they're like, Okay, cool, I'll do that. But like they're also cognizant of the fact that this person watching has no idea the power of what they're doing. They don't really know that style that well. And if they do, it's just that they're looking for something specific. So mm-hmm. they don't, I'm sure they take it personally in a sense that they want to book the job. But I feel like for people who do more choreo and rely on freestyle to be that extra thing that gets them the job at the, those last four or eight counts when they tell you to freestyle after the combo mm-hmm. and you're like tired and dying and somebody's foot's like yeah. swinging by your face <laughs> and somebody decides to hit like a backflip and a split uh. and another girl's like doing turns and lands on you. Like <laughs> to me, it's no longer about like actually freestyling. It's like panic mode. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So I think the same thing translates when you're training, you know? It's it's unfortunate that we don't look at freestyle as like just an additive to our own dance voice. You know what I'm saying? And I'm not saying that's what's happening with you, yeah. but I feel like that's oh, what I see. Oh, I go, a lot. I go panic easily, and my this is what I I really believe is that notes and everything are amazing, but at the core of it, I think I need to burn out whatever that thing is that I panic about. Meaning, like mm-hmm. if I'm in the front of the room and I start getting in my head a lot of the time I'll start not doing as well. Or if I'm taking class, I'm trying to get it, and then the camera comes on, Mm -hmm. I go back to, like, the old things that, you know, cutting off movements, rushing, Mm -hmm. um, not articulating through the body. And I know not to do those things, but I think that, and I'm so open if you think there's a, a better way, I need to just go up there and fuck up as many times as I fuck up until I get tired of fucking up, until I start getting used to it. And then all of those elements that throw me off become, like, my best friend. I was listening to something. I don't even know. I'm not even going to pretend like I know where <laughs> I heard it because I can't remember. But it was pretty mm-hmm. recent. And someone said something about fear. And they said, it's not that you get over the fear. You just get over the feeling of fear. Yes. And so, which I can relate to a lot because I'm naturally an anxious person. Some people aren't anxious. And I think that's a gift. I think that's... A real gift, and I think that we tend to learn look at anxiety as a bad thing. And my mom told me once, like, well, your anxiety is probably why you've gotten to where you've gotten, you know, because without anxiety, you would have probably never had that extra push to feel like you have to cover, you know, to cross all your T's and dot all your I's and, like, really try to go the extra mile. You might have been a little more complacent. And that's not to say that people who don't have anxiety don't do that, you know, you can do both, but that to try to look at something as not necessarily a negative, but mm-hmm. try to make it a positive. Mm-hmm. And so that fear means you care. Yeah. You know, that fear means you feel seen, maybe before you're ready to be seen. And I think the classroom environment has changed a lot to where people feel like they have to perform something when they're still learning it, mm-hmm. you know, or 
or um, make people feel like they are worth whatever it is they symbolize when they walk in the room, mm. you know? And that's a lot of pressure. And, and it kind of takes away the part of class that makes you feel human when you look at your neighbor and they're struggling too. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean that all classes are like that. I think that there are a lot of classes that offer both or that offer one and then some maybe don't. And I do think that there's beauty in pressure. Mm-hmm. You know, I just think that it's healthier when we're in control of it. I don't really like surprises in that way. I actually love surprises in life, but mm-hmm. I don't like surprises in that world. I don't yeah. like feeling set up. I don't like feeling like a trained pony. Mm-hmm. And like, I got to go out and show you what I got. Um, Same. That doesn't do anything for me because that operates on the cusp of ego and unfortunately like this is a very heavy 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 ego world and I and people mistake ego for confidence when in fact sometimes like the most insecure person is the loudest in the room and it's not my job to tell you about yourself but it is my job to protect myself mm-hmm. so I think what you're feeling comes from that place of like damn I want to train I want to get better but when I'm showing up, I'm not even allowing myself to fail, to, to grow the way I want to because I'm so busy saving face and giving this clean 80 that I know is safe, that I know checks all the marks, that I know from the outside is going to make me look like I'm still polished and I'm mm-hmm. still worth where I am in my life, as opposed to getting something wrong to then get it really right. I like training the getting it wrong to get it right mm-hmm. and taking risks. Yeah, but taking risks. Messy. Yeah. yeah, taking risks. And sometimes you'll mess up and be like, oh, wait, but I did something kind of cool in there. I found something interesting in there, you know? Or, oh, how about this class doesn't define me? This experience, this bad audition, this one time that I did really bad on a job, this one time that I blanked in front of a camera. Blanking in front of a camera once doesn't mean that you're the type of dancer that always forgets, but then we tell ourselves, like, oh, now I'm the girl that forgot. And mm-hmm. so everyone's just going to think of me as that way. So now every time a camera comes, now you have this, like, PTSD that keeps coming back, right? right? Or going to an audition and, like, having one time that you didn't freestyle well and now you're not a good freestyler. Just, like, all the little things that, that little voice that we have. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it stacks, like, layers. It's like this little pancake we take with us that is like in our back pocket so when we go to train instead of really training for the reason we really authentically want to train which is just to get better and get closer to who we really are as a performer and now we've got this like extra bag of you know shitty experiences that we define ourselves through as artists and you know to be an artist means you're sensitive and vulnerable so now you're like extra porous and absorbent to things that that aren't really who you are, Mm -hmm. but just a series of experiences that now you feel define you, you know? And that's the tragic part of being an artist. That's the heartbreak, you know, that dance can break your heart in that way. And, you know, the battle that I face is like, how can I still have joy? Mm. And how can I still find ways to learn without feeling like I have to look like I already have it? That's hard when you feel like you have to look like you already have everything, but you're there to learn. So clearly you don't have it. 
or you have it to a certain extent, but you want to have it better. Do you feel like there's an added pressure because you're touring, because you've been working for a long time to show up and just have it? I feel like I'm supposed to say no, but my real answer is yeah, for sure. Yeah. I think that, um, and not in like a, I think the world's coming for me kind of place. I don't think that at all, but I think that people want to see, people expect you to deliver at a certain level based on what they think that job requires. Like, what type of dancer do I think would fit this job? And then are you that dancer? If we switched, and I were you saying that right now, like, mm-hmm. that's how I feel kind of when I'm in class, and I love the honesty, mm-hmm. what would you, what advice might you have for me? If I basically superimposed you on me. Fuck it. <laughs> fuck it. Which is why yeah. I tell myself, too, like, fuck it. Like, I, it's not to be bitchy, but, like, no one matters to keep it a buck. None of these people matter. Mm. We have these relationships. I'd say a quarter of them are real. I'd say another quarter of them are pleasantries Mm -hmm. that we exchange because we work in the same world and we have to coexist. So we gotta, like, we respect each other, obviously, and it's easier to just work with people that you enjoy to work with. So why not go the extra mile to just be pleasant, right? Mm -hmm. Then you got another quarter people who you can't stand, but you can't say that. No one's allowed to say that. But there are people who literally rub you, like make the hairs on the back of your neck stand up. Mm-hmm. Because not even because they're not your cup of tea, but maybe you just don't deem them good people. Or maybe they're toxic for you, you know? And then the last quarter, people you don't know. Mm-hmm. So you can't, you, if you don't know, you're not sure. Now you're trying to like assess them and put them in one of those categories, you know? And of course you have your close friends and you have people that like you trust and stuff, you know, but those tend to be the people you probably see the least because you're always working mm. and you guys don't have time, you know, but fuck them. Cause like when I'm sick or when I'm going through something serious, like my uncle just passed away two days oh, ago. I'm sorry. Oh, oh no, 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 it's okay. No, I'm not giving you like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. No, no, I appreciate that. that. But like nobody cares. It's not, and that's okay. I don't expect you to care. Yeah. But, you know, like, and that's just the culture. Like, I don't necessarily, it's not that I don't care. I'm an, I'm an empathetic person, so I care to a certain extent, but I don't know you in that way, so I can't care the way your family's going to care. But, like, that's just the way we're set up as a society, you know. But the, the shitty part about the dance world, which actually exists, I think, probably in every social construct of every field, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying, is this thing where we have to pretend, like, we're all gravy together and really the reality is if we weren't in this room dancing together on this job or if we weren't you know connected through a friend we're now because we have a mutual friend or or if we weren't training under a choreographer that we both respect and we don't want to piss off that choreographer because they're friends with each of us or whatever like web we're in mm-hmm. we wouldn't be talking unless we genuinely liked genuinely had a connection right, right. and a lot of times i will say more often than not i get along with people so i don't want it to sound like i'm the girl that can't stand anybody i actually enjoy meeting new people i really like doing jobs with people i don't know mm-hmm. it's when i get an energy back that's really resistant or when I get a vibe of like, we don't have to do this, we can just, and then I'm like, okay, cool. I, I respect that. But it keeps me in check to where if I'm taking class or training and here I am so consumed 
being worried about these people that like to be honest half of them I don't know their name that people that I do know you don't care about me you don't really care about my growth you don't you're not invested in me in that way why am I so tripped up caring about these people I think we just do that because we want to impress people and we want to feel validated we want to it's it's a human uh emotion to want to be liked and to want to be accepted because it's easier to walk into a room and feel like I'm connected to you, you're connected to me, I accept you, you accept me, I respect you, you respect me. That's just natural, you mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Like, we all want to feel love. It's when we feel rejection that the, our worst qualities come out. I know for me, when I feel rejected, and maybe I'm not even being rejected, maybe I'm reading into something, like, too much, but when I feel like my back is up against the wall, I turn into a diff- very different version of myself. Mm-hmm. You turn into, like, it's the fight or flight version of yourself and so now you're in that place where you're kind of you're guarded Mm -hmm. you're not um as open so the energy that you're emitting is probably very like just enough but not too much you know and then you're also probably not performing or executing or training to the extent that you could be because you're so busy worried about how people are looking at you that you're not really able to look at yourself, you know? So, and and I, for people who say they don't have that experience, I can't really relate because yeah. I, I don't really believe you. I think yeah. that no matter where you are in your career, we all feel things. I think it's just a question of, like, how much certain people allow others in, you know? And to people who aren't empathetic, sometimes I envy that. I envy, like, the people who aren't emotional sponges because I'm very spongy. So if you're having a bad day, I can feel it. If you're, if you feel something about me because I just remind you of someone else and I haven't even done anything to you, I can feel it. I can feel everything. I feel like I'm highly perceptive in that way and to a detriment to the point where I'll start, it'll throw me off my whole shit, you know, just because now I'm, I've felt whatever you're putting out there. To the point where sometimes I'll, I have to check myself not to try to overcompensate to create balance in a room. Have, well, that's like I can't tell you enough how much that resonates with me. Is there any any mechanisms that you found specifically? I'm also going to check if the heat's on in here. That um, you have found help you cope with that stillness. Do you want? What does that mean for you? Do you want blanket? Oh, I'm okay actually. I'm good. I got this big old fleece on. I stole this from Josh. <laughs> He's gonna know when he sees Instagram because I took a picture of it. Like, That's my fleece. I would say stillness in a sense that like there was a time in my life where I felt that I probably needed to be funny all the time in a room. For a couple reasons. One, I didn't want to be the pretty girl who thought she was a pretty girl. So I would try to dumb myself down by being accessible to people and less threatening. Not because I think I'm threatening or the bomb. I just mean that sometimes that's a thing when you Mm -hmm. walk into the room. I would try to make myself overly kind to make people feel, see that I was open and that they could let their guard down. And maybe be almost overly invested in asking more about them than letting them get to know parts of myself. And then I would sometimes just shrink, like try to make myself less seen in a room so that other people would feel like I'm not trying to command the attention that they might feel they deserve. Mm -hmm. So, 
oh yeah no no you can go in the front row no 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 it's cool I'm I'm chilling back here or oh um you know if there's like only five waters and there's six of us oh no I don't really need a water it's fine I'm not that thirsty I could be dying I'm the same way I'm yeah. exactly the same way yeah so I would try to just make myself really small and ava- overly available and I've learned that actually you are you become more disrespected in some ways later. Because people assume you're comfortable being small so they can treat you that way. So now I'm like the opposite, in a, not necessarily complete extreme, not like right. the opposite as in like I'm not nice and I'm not, I've found like a balance, but I'm definitely like stillness because I'm like, that's not my baggage. That's your baggage. That has nothing to do with me. If you feel some type of way towards me, there are decent amount of people who would try to combat that experience with evidence to support otherwise Mm -hmm. but from having to get to know the real version of me and I think time like stillness because in due time everything reveals itself so there's so many people I'm friends with now where in the beginning I could not stand them Mm -hmm. I couldn't stand them I was like oh that person is just oh they just irked me and they're like my closest friends and it's because time revealed who they really were we all have preconceived notions of who people are when they walk in the room. We don't realize that we're all wearing a mask when we walk in. So for someone to have the time and comfort to be able to take off that mask is, you know, important in getting to know people and having relationships, you know. So I feel like that's my deflection. It's yeah. just like being quiet. And so a lot of times probably people probably mistake me being quiet for me being all the things that come with being quiet. But it's really just because I don't know how to move in this moment. So let me just be quiet because I don't want to contribute the wrong type of energy to a situation I don't know, mm-hmm. you know, and whether somebody would mistake that for whatever, at least all you can say is she's just real quiet. It's like, well, I can think of a lot of people who are quiet and really nice. Yeah. You know, maybe I was focused. Maybe I was just minding my business. Also, there's always someone who will think something. Like, yeah. no matter what you do. Um. Oh, yeah. You can never... You're never always going to just get it right. And I think if you're a perfectionist, which I suffer from perfectionism really badly, I think our generation in general just does. I think it came from our parents. But, like, if you suffer from perfectionism, that is going to kill you to the end. That you're, you're just never going to get it right. And that's okay. I think that you have to accept that that's okay. I try to always tie up all communication with a bow. And I need to know that, like, you over there, like, do you feel okay? Is every And I, I it's like beating a dead horse. And so I myself, mm-hmm. like, am working on that right now. How to be grounded, empowered, and have the ultimate communication but sometimes that means leaving things however they are yeah and and knowing that sometimes people are not gonna like you yeah that's a hard thing too no one wants to feel like people don't like them some people are like well i don't care and i'm like hey good for you i haven't gotten there yeah i i do care and not i care in the sense that like i want to be popular that's not why i care i care in the sense that I have this idea in my mind of the type of person I am, and it hurts my feelings to think that someone else has a different idea of who that person is, especially considering I genuinely don't want to inflict harm on people. I don't want to make people feel shitty. I don't. That's, like, real for me. So if somebody doesn't like me, it makes me feel bad because I'm like, dang, like, okay. But now I'm like, fuck it. I just, one, I don't have the time or the energy. And two... I just have to accept in the same way that there are people I don't like mm-hmm. who probably who sometimes we have mutual friends or like, you know, they have friends that I respect, you know, so I know there has to be some good in there for them to be able to 
share similar pools, yeah. you know, social pools. Like, you know, you just you just have to not care. And that's hard. You, just, you have to just not care. It's hard also, like... I'm going on 13 years. I don't know how it happened. And like 10 years around the dance scene here. Mm-hmm. And then the New York dance scene. And usually like everything. I do everything to be nice, to do things right. And I have found that some people are just not going to be happy. And there's some play- times I've drawn the line with the podcast. Mm-hmm. Once in a while someone will be unhappy. I got my first internet bully. My first Instagram like a month ago. Somebody... <laughs> Is this turn? Okay. So somebody... I actually want to bring it up because I'm like, I've heard about this, but I don't even have followers like that. They wrote, it was a post I had, and they asked me about my credits. And here's the thing. On one hand, I'm like, if you have something that you really want to ask, go by all means. But on the other hand, I sensed two things. First of all, it was a post where I had talked about like having dealt with Lyme's disease and there's a podcast coming out. That question on that post was very inappropriate. And on the other hand, I was, like, about to give them credits. And I'm like, first of all, that doesn't define me. Second of all, this doesn't feel good. I'm all, you know what I mean? Like, I'm I'm used to backing up. I do this, and I have this background, or, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they slid into my DMs, and I had said something about know your worth, relating it more to, like, personal life, dating, friendships. Mm-hmm. And then I saw they had responded, just out of curiosity, how's your love life going? And I was like... Uh-huh. And I just was like, you know what, fuck this. And I just blocked them. Mm-hmm. They create a new account. By the way, as I'm saying this, I'm like, this is not, like, Lindsay, this is not normally my life mm-hmm. or the thing that I invest my energy in or anything like that. I'm not someone who's all who's ever been, like, my haters. or No, like, I think nobody fucking notices. They create a whole fake account and they start saying, like, everything. Like, you're trash, you're trash, you're trash. They post on videos where I'm dancing. Looks like you need to train. They write... Um, it looks like you're doing a podcast because you never made it. By the way, like, I realize I switched my trajectory with dance, but that doesn't, my whole thing is, like, what you've done doesn't define you, but it doesn't even matter. They literally went to everything. They, like, post on something, like, you have a muffin top. Just, like, all, it was, and on one hand, it's, like, this one person with this bad energy, and they were, like, you were awkward in New York, you're awkward here. I don't know who it is, by the way. have no idea, but it got to me. Mm. It got to me. I don't even know how I just went into this rabbit hole. Then I even found myself, I'm like, I don't know who this person is. I don't know if it's someone I know. I don't know if it's someone at the studio. And I thought that I'm so beyond this, that I'm so grown. And I even felt myself hesitant to go and take a class because I felt like seen and given this negative energy and I'm surprised how much it's fucked with me. Mm. I know I just went like down a... No, 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 not at all. Well, first of all, I'm sorry that that even happened. Thank you. I think that's that weird. first of all, bullying is trash for a couple yes. reasons. At least back in the day, if I was bullied, someone did it to my face. Right. I can look at you. If you want to hit me, go for it. I'm going to hit you back. If you want to say something to me, go for it. I'm going to say something back. Or at least I have the power to go tell someone what happened. Like You have options, and it's physical. It's in the flesh. It's tangible. It's like right there, right? Mm-hmm. With the internet, cyberbullying to me is the pussiest thing that's not a word sorry excuse the language but it's real that's some pussy ass shit and i say it like that because i'm like one you're hiding behind whatever this account false whatever the hell is right you're dedicating all your energy to making my life miserable right now in a perfect world someone would tell you like who cares like this person isn't real 
if they are real, it's someone who clearly has more issues with themselves than with you, which is all very true, but it doesn't change the fact that, one, it hurts. Yeah, it does. That, two, sometimes people say things that you already know. Like, not saying you have a muffin top, but let's say you yeah, have a muffin top. I did. Let's say you, you had a muffin Those top. Those pants are like, too small. That's what I'm saying. Then you're like, bitch, you think I didn't know that that day I, when I bent over and to so pick something what? up, I had a little muffin so top. What? Get off my fucking neck. You know, that's like, and I hate to say it that abruptly, but it's yeah. true. It's that moment where you're like, why are you coming for me? I never sent for you. But that's that da- the danger in social media, I feel like. People yeah. feel like they have. Because you've posted something and you've opened up the floor for there to be open dialogue via like somebody being able to comment. They're like, well, you just invited me and I have every right to invade your privacy. And that's like something I have a major issue with on social media. Like Some things don't pertain to you. And why do you think it's okay to bring your little negative cloud over into my world? Yeah. I could understand if you said something that was very polarizing to where it sparked up conversation, conversation got heated, and then, yeah, you're talking about, like, uh, a moral end of the scope where it's, like, you know, one person is pro versus one person is con, and you guys are just going at it for that. And even that, like, that's just an energy thing if people have the time to do that, right? But you're talking about somebody who's just literally picking on you. It was so dumb. But anybody who does that, just so you know, and this is something I know to be true, Anybody who picks on you to that extent is looking for power because they have none in their own life. Mm. Like, somebody that's going to take the time out to point out all my flaws means that they take the time out to do the same for themselves. Mm-hmm. You're so worried about me. I'm, I'm petty now. I'm like, why are you so obsessed with me? <laughs> like, that Mariah song, why are you so obsessed with me? Then it's not because I'm cocky and I really think people are obsessed with me. No, I don't actually think people are obsessed with me. But I'll spin it right back around like, oh, wow, you are obsessed with me. Like, you're, and even if they're like, girl, I'm not obsessed with you. I can't stand you. But clearly, for you to be so invested in taking the time out to look at everything on my page, you must be a little obsessed with me. And that irritates the hell out of people. They're Mm -hmm. like, now they're really mad, right? (laughs) Which maybe someone else would tell you, just ignore it. Don't invest, like, energy in it. I don't know if you want more tea. No, I'm good. Yeah, whereas me, I'm just like, you have way too much time on your hands. While you might have said things that hurt my feelings and that maybe ring true in terms of the little voice in the back Mm -hmm. of my head that says these things to, to herself, you know? I'm pretty sure if we flip the mirror around, it would be tenfold. Yeah. You know? And I and obviously, like, I'm in no place to necessarily give advice. Like, you know, I just think that if I were you in that position, I would just take a long look at if you would ever take the time off to do that to somebody else. Fuck no. Exactly. For a lot of reasons. One, because yeah. you're a good person. Yeah. But also because you just don't have the time or the energy. So think about the type of person that has the time or the energy yeah. and what type of living situation they're in and what type of circumstance they must be in to be able to do that. I'm like, you are miserable, which means that you have done this to someone else. Oh, I'm yeah. not the first person. Oh, no, no, no. You just are fixating on me because you have some kind of vendetta, whatever that I'm is. Like, do I, do I, I'm like, well, were we in the same dance crew back in the day? But... And I even feel like small talking about it, but I realize I'm getting a little taste of what some people get a lot of. Mm. And I was surprised by how much, how easily like one voice Mm -hmm. just did all of that. But then also I could look within myself like, okay, where are my own insecurities Mm -hmm. and how do I talk to myself? Mm -hmm. Because if somebody called me purple, let's say I'd be like, oh, I'm not purple. 
You're tripping. I had this but. situation. I'm not even going to go into the details of it, but I had someone who was, like, for a long time on my Instagram, up and down my page, just, like, going for the gold. Mm-hmm. And would call me all kinds of things. And then, low-key, I started laughing because I was like, like, I'll never forget, one of them was horse face because I have a narrow face. And I wrote back, I was like, you're right, I do have a horse face. I do, because I do actually have a horse face. But just because I have a horse face doesn't mean I'm not pretty. I just have a long-shaped face. You're right. Oh, I have mosquito bites as boobs. Oh, you know what? Actually, you're right. I am an A cup. On a good day, a B cup, like when my period's about to come. You're absolutely right. I do have mosquito bites. And you know what? There is a whole city ready to come and, and touch on all these mosquito bites over here. You feel me? You're absolutely right. Like, you know, Can you it, block them? I did block them because I basically had a, a stalker who oh, was, sorry. was a crazy person. So I had to for the fact that, like, this person would just make a new account every day. It was, like, a whole <sighs> thing. So I feel you on that. But mine wasn't because they were, like, against. It was, like, an actual thing. Like, they, it was a I'm thing. sorry you went through that. Because so. my thing, I'm like, I felt the feeling was, like, and then, I, then I'll move on from it. But I'm like, am I the only... I feel like the only person in the world that has ever gone through this, although I'm definitely not, mm. it can feel, um, I suddenly felt small and like my friends who were like, oh, you're tripping, they're just, they're not going to do anything, blah, blah, blah. Um, I felt like they were far away and they didn't understand mm. and I suddenly felt like it's isolated. very alienating. Yeah. And then a week later I got, this is never my life, a week later on Thanksgiving, a stranger created an account, accused me of something I didn't do and I had to deal with that. Maybe they're the same person, maybe they're not. Probably. Probably. It was crazy. Um, and then it was my birthday. So. <laughs> it was a lot. It, it was a lot. lot. But I'm like, this is the time we're in. If I'm going through it, other people are going through it. And probably a, way worse. And so I did want to kind of let it come out if it did. So thanks for indulging. Can you imagine being a kid right now? In this a teenager. Climate, a teenager. My little sister is 22. But she had Instagram around when she was in high school. It's the worst. And I, listening to some of the things that she's told me, and even just having to view beauty through her eyes and, like, what she sees and how she assesses herself has broken my heart Mm. regularly. Because at least back in the day when you went home, we had AIM, technically. I got bullied once on AIM. I was going to say, we had AIM, but you could just sign off, you know? That's so true. But, like... I guess you could technically sign off of Instagram too, but it's a little different, you know. It's, it's like everywhere. you got Facebook, you got it's, it's everywhere. And, you know, I got bullied on AIM for sure. I remember like, or I would it would be like a, a setup, like like you do the three way calling, like your friends would would yeah. set you up on three way, and you find out that wasn't really your friend because they would call you and like do some shady shit. Someone pop up on the phone like, yeah, because la, la, la. like just crazy shit that we went through, but <laughs> not nearly as bad. As it is now, I feel like people come home and they don't get a break from the shit that they deal with at school, mm-hmm. you know? And I'm just really grateful that I didn't have that, you know? It's like the one good thing about being a little bit older. Everybody thinks aging is this, like, disease you're going to catch, <laughs> you know? And I'm like, well, at least I was able to grow up during a time where I didn't feel like all my mistakes were caught on camera. Oh, my God. You know? Like... It's just a level of, like, microscope that is just... And and access that I just think is so unhealthy. And it doesn't mean that there aren't good things about social media. I just feel like 
in terms of bullying mm-hmm. specifically, the fact that someone could literally be like, I hope you die. I hope your family dies. I hope you're, I hope you're, I will come and find you and kill your dog. And that there's no repercussions for that. There's no, yeah, okay, now technically you can press report or block. But like, I reported before on Instagram was like, we didn't find anything wrong about this. See what this. I'm saying? How, how is that? Now imagine <laughs> you're not your age, you're yeah. 15 years younger. That has to feel, and then the fact that you have classmates who are probably creating those accounts just for fun, just to fuck with you, like that, yeah. It's horrible. It's horrible. What I've also noticed from that, I interviewed someone, we interviewed each other, she has the dance podcast in Canada, Mm -hmm. I have the, you know, dance, we we interviewed each other, and she talked about, I think it was her, damn it, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong, talked about tribal shaming, Mm. also, have you heard about this? Mm. And I notice how easy it is to, I think dialogue's important, but I've also realized how easy it is to criticize people who are putting themselves out there mm-hmm. and just start taking sides and stances and instead of like just really talking to the person or being a little softer mm-hmm. with it. And so that's something also I noticed or even my own critiques of people to check myself on even the way that I'm thinking of them because it's so easy for someone to build a case against someone else. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So... I'm going to go a little bit into dance stuff. Okay. More. Yeah. Go for it. Thank you so much for listening to the episode. We have part two coming up. If it's not already up, check it out. It's going to be very different and expand and elaborate on this story. So now that you know Lindsay's background and we left off on, um, on the note of bullying, going into her actual dance journey as an adult I cannot wait for you to listen to it so it's the next episode if for any reason it's not up yet we have a library of 111 other episodes and be sure to rate and review us on itunes and follow us on instagram at dance speak podcast we love when you share about the episodes and tag us and again thank you for listening guys thank you so much for listening to our dance speak podcast for inquiries suggestions comments on your favorite guests or who you'd like to see on the show please email us at dancespeakpodcast at gmail.com that's d-a-n-c-e-s-p-e-a-k-p-o-d-c-a-s-t at gmail.com and check back in next week for our latest interview thank you so much